Welcome to Award Leaders. I'm your co-host, John, joined by my keyboard jockey co-conspirator, David Blockchain Cross. This is our night at the Oscars, where we watch Oscar-winning movies while enjoying Oscar Meyer Wieners. It's a celebration of American cinematic and culinary pop culture. Today, we go in a different direction, delving into the dark reaches of the digital realm in our cyberpunk spectacular. Blockchain, what's going on? I'm glad you didn't call me NFT Cross. I feel like that would be more of a diss. <laughs> but I think blockchain is a good one for you. Blockchain's pretty good. Two words. I can see that working. I just remember everything everyone's ever said to me. Or do I have like a chain with some blocks on it? Who knows? Cyberpunk. Or you just can't explain anything to us because no one knows what it is. <laughs> That's exactly it. It's, I talk gibberish just like these movies. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be an NFT podcast for going forward. We'll send everyone who purchases an NFT of our podcast a unique copy of our podcast <laughs> includes more laughing from me uh so john uh what's up how are you doing uh just been watching some cyberpunk films getting ready for this <laughs> you surviving uh, omnicron so far i've avoided all of it i stay at home in my cyberpunk dystopian world <laughs> i mean you do have a lot of computer tech what about you yeah i'm doing okay i'm at my parents house i am recording for my niece's nursery so it's going to sound maybe a little bit different than everyone's used to like you, I have basically been on lockdown for the last two and a half, three weeks. I got out of New York City right before the spike, uh, but I'm in Ohio and it's starting to surge. So uh, yeah, I can say I have had multiple scares and I've had to take a bunch of rapid tests because I've had just an upper respiratory infection that has, makes it seem like I have Schrodinger's COVID. Yeah. Do I have it? Do I not have it? Who knows? <laughs> Only if you get tested, will you know? <laughs> That's Exactly. Other things going on, uh, I saw Matrix Resurrections. I did too. Deja vu. What was your take on that, Dave? I absolutely loved it. I watched it on a Friday night. I turned around and watched it on a Saturday night. I will probably watch it again this week. <gasps> really into this movie. But on Instagram, there was like so many people that we interact with just like, this movie's terrible. Love every second of it. Love it, love it, love it. It's a heady movie. It's not light action fair, and it's not supposed to be. Free your mind like the first three movies lack any type of levity and this movie has a bunch of in it not a bunch but like a good amount that like breaks up the pacing i thought it was great great i don't want to spoil it too much i've seen some other movies too if you want to talk about them basically december is when i try to catch up with all the movies i missed throughout the year and i've made a pretty good go at it so far yeah i saw the latest bond movie which i liked i saw the new spider-man i saw eternals I saw the new Ghostbusters movie. Same with all of those so far. More or less, I liked all those movies. Here's a question for you. Will Spider-Man No Way From Home be nominated for an Oscar? Because there is a big push going on right now. What do you say Oscar? For Best Picture. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, But the other half of that is like, what came out this year? I mean, right now, the number one movie is a Netflix original with the dog. Benjamin Cumberbatch is in that as well. I did not see that one. Yeah, that's the number one running. And I think Belfast is pretty high up there. So is West Side Story, which I have not seen. I think there's a good chance it can make it. Our friend Predict Flicks, he predicts whether movies are going to make it to the best pictures. He has a good, good track record, and he's like, it could come real close to making it. And I trust him. I mean, with 10 films and a relatively weak year, slow we can say, year. Yeah it, yeah, it is. I think it's a weak year. 
if it does, we'll talk about it in our Oscar special. And that's like two months out. So we got some time. Today in our Cyber Spunk. <laughs> cyber Spunk. Cyber Spunk, John. <laughs> in our Cyber Punk Spectacular, we have two movies. We picked Lawnmower Man and Johnny Mnemonic. Dave, why did we decide on these two? I don't know. That's a great question. Because of all the cyberpunk movies, we picked two middling to bad ones. <laughs> I, say, I hadn't actually seen Lawnmower Man before, and I watched maybe the first 20 minutes of it and was like, wow, we should definitely talk about this one. I hadn't seen Giant Mnemonic in a long time and a big, big fan of Keanu Reeves, so I, I wanted to revisit it. And then I'm a Stephen King fan, uh, and I wanted to watch The Lawnmower Man. Uh, I didn't really know much about the film. But boy, was uh, did I learn a lot about Stephen King and the lawnmower man. <laughs> so it was like I was scammed into watching this movie. <laughs> We're going to just do a quick intro to what cyberpunk is. There's a dystopian sci-fi future. The dichotomy is we have all this great technology and we should be living in a utopia because a lot of problems have been solved. That's really not the case. I don't know if it's our greed or hubris. It hasn't worked out. Society is not in a good place. I think that's pretty good. Sounds a lot of like what we're living in now. Are we in a dystopia? Uh... <laughs> it's interesting in the cyberpunk like communication aspect of that, of just like QAnon and people just spreading misinformation all over the place. I mean, the metaverse, <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> Cyber warfare, especially the misinformation aspects of that is really interesting. And we kind of see a lot of that play out generally in cyberpunk movies. These things are kind of downers. Uh, all this technology is, could have made our life better, but um, we're living worse than ever is what it comes down to. Quick rundown on some cyberpunk movies. Kira, the anime, Ghost in the Shell, Blade Runner, The Matrix, Judge Dredd, Hackers, Robocop, cyberpunk and other media. Dave, I know you actually read the Johnny Mnemonic short story. I did too. And I've read a few other things by that author. His name's William Gibson. I think his most famous book is called Neuromancer. I have tried to read that book multiple times, and I can't get through it. I love the concepts, but I find his writing very difficult and confusing to read. Apparently, he doesn't know anything about computers. <laughs> Hackers of the day were like annoyed by what he would write about, but also at the same time, like they appreciated some of the concepts that he created. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> he's been called the godfather of the genre, but I wouldn't say he's the inventor of the genre. He's probably the the most well-known author in it. Yeah, I think Philip K. Dick was a predecessor of his, and mm -hmm. he wrote The Android's Dream of Electric Sheep, which ultimately became the Blade Runner movie. Or what do you think of the cyberpunk sub-genre? Uh, I like it, though, to be honest, I'm more of a fantasy person. I gravitate towards epic fantasy, magic, paranormal, but I dig it. I really dug it when I was in middle school you know like when when cyberpunk was having its big renaissance and like all there's all these movies and tv shows about yep. it and we're all like oh i can't wait to have razor fingers and laser eyes <laughs> and i'm gonna hack some yeah. computers i mean I, I have fond memories of it i still like it it's not my preferred genre but i'm not gonna turn it down so are you ready to get into our first movie dave the lawnmower man came out in 1992 um i think it cost about $10 million to make and made about $32 million in the box office. I'm just going to dive into the synopsis quickly. You might recognize some of the actors, probably not many by name. The most recognizable one is Pierce Brosnan. He is the doctor in the movie who's kind of creating this technology that we'll get into. The other actors, 
you'll never recognize their names, or my guess is you won't. It is the kid from Last Action Hero. Oh. <laughs> from Breaking Bad, Walt's brother-in-law. Oh, you mean the big face guy? His cop brother-in-law was like the guy who runs... The shop. Yeah, or I guess he's like the guy who's above the guy who runs the shop. Okay, I didn't re- I didn't recognize that. You're absolutely right. I missed it. Yeah, I guess he is the big face guy because he shows up on the screen a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the lawnmower man? The lawnmower man. Jeff Fahey. Jeff Fahey. Like, you you might have seen him in things, but I don't even know what. Like, what is that guy in? He's in three seasons of Lost. He's a prolific actor. He's just been in everything. <laughs> but he's never done anything. He's not like a, a headliner. This is probably one of the closest things he's come to a headlining role mostly b movies and independent movies so he has a lot of genre work oh i see he's like the villain in machete yeah yeah that's a lot of his roles i'm like just kind of scanning through here like he's kind of the villain sometimes and he does a lot of b and even d list movies (laughs) like he looks the part of a villain like i feel like he looks like a good villain like he has those piercing eyes super dark hair um kind of creepy he's good like I, i like him as an actor he's fun Oh boy, let's talk about his acting in a minute when we get through this. Okay. <laughs> I don't feel like it's his fault, but okay, let's go. <laughs> maybe not, maybe not, but let's talk about it. Okay, so this movie, Dr. Lawrence Angela, it's Pierce Brosnan, he creates a VR simulation that, when paired with a medical treatment, unlocks unused parts of the brain. Of course, there's like this shady defense company known as The Shop that's funding the doctor's research in exchange for having him use his tech to turn apes into aggressive super soldiers. My treatments are making him smarter at an incredible rate. It's more important than training him for war. You know our funding comes from the shop. They want this animal trained in virtual reality to use the infrared battle helmet, not to recite the ABCs. I won't increase the dosage of aggression drugs any further. Dave, what a crazy sentence. (laughs) The whole reason why I kept watching this movie. That's the opening. You're like, what the fuck? Okay, anyway, one of the enhanced apes escapes gets out into a neighborhood, and the military ends up killing it on the doorstep of Job, who's a dim-witted man who thinks the ape is Cyboman. Cyboman? His cybernetic comic book hero. So he reads comic books. That, what, he, that, that doesn't happen. It sure does. He doesn't kill him on the doorstep. The military kills him on the doorstep of Job. Not in front of Job. Oh, yes, they do. <laughs> or did you watch the director's cut? Yes. I did not. I watched the theater cut. That's not in the theater cut. Oh, interesting. Okay. So basically, like, yeah, the monkey comes into Job's house. The military, like, gets him to come out, and they kill the monkey in front of Job. That's even crazier than the the theater cut. Well, what happened in your cut? There's two cuts of this. There's the theater cut and the director's cut. I tried to buy the director's cut, and they gave me the theater's cut. So I had no option. (laughs) And this this was on streaming. This is Amazon. They, They say it's director's cut. It's not. But in the theater cut... It ends with the monkey getting shot in the back trying to escape, and that's it. Then it cuts straight to Job um, doing penance. Oh, yeah. So Job sees it happen and then, like, starts crying, and then the priest starts beating him. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, uh, I have a lot of respect for you, John, because I know the director's cut is, like, two and a half hours long. Yeah, it's real long. (laughs) (laughs) The theater cut is a a tight uh, 140. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, so interesting. I did not realize that we may have watched very different things yeah yeah okay <laughs> so did they get into what sibo man is in the sibo si- uh, man um it's mentioned briefly job gives the kid a comic of sibo man but that's it they don't they don't get anything else into that all right so the monkey's like kind of dressed like 
this guy who looks kind of like Robocop. I guess. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, so they talk about this. Anyway, we find out that Job is actually a ward of a church where he's the groundskeeper. Job is taken advantage of and abused by a lot of the people in the town that they live in. So the priest is abusing him, beating him with a belt. It reminded me a bit of, what's that movie with, I think it's Jude Law who's like hitting himself. Oh, um, Da Vinci Code? Yeah, yeah. That's um, the dude from the MCU, The Vision. I think you hurt Vision's feelings. Oh, okay, right, right. Yeah, and I would say that I think the priest is molesting him. It's implied later in the movie. And then, like, some of the townsfolk are really mean to him, too. There's, like, this bully that's always, like, kind of picking on him every time he sees him. Because it's a very small town, and apparently you can only go out to eat in one place or walk down one street. (laughs) The doctor actually witnesses this happening. He pities Job and says to him, you know what? I can turn you into a smart man if you'd like. People won't take advantage of you ever again. We'll just do some of these treatments. I'm going to modify the medicine that's given so it won't make you very aggressive. It'll just make you smarter. And in this process, we see Job improve, like mentally, he gets more capable. He just, he stops taking shit from people in certain ways because he, he now can understand and process a lot of what's happening. He's no longer this like simple person. Starts to dress like a cowboy. Starts to dress like a cowboy, <laughs> likes his denim. <laughs> like the woman of the lawn, he mows, like she's like really into him. We'll talk about that in a second. But then there's an accident that happens that almost kills Job. And Dr. Angelo decides he wants to stop the sessions. Okay, so while this is happening, one of the shop's executives, again, that's sort of this like shadow military organization, is aware of the doctor's experiments with Job. They swap out Job's medicine for the version that was making the apes aggressive. Job and the doctor are not knowing this. Again, Job basically decides he's going to keep going without the doctor's approval. He takes this new, like aggressive version of the meds and goes through some more VR sessions. All right, so then Job brings his new girlfriend. Now she's the lady in the house whose lawn he's mowing to the lab where they enter cyberspace together and have pixelated cyber sex. Oh my God. You can actually see his balls. You can't see that in the, the theater version. They definitely animated it in there. So Job's increasing power in his cybernetic and mental powers start to overwhelm this woman within the VR experience. Job continues. He eventually destroys his girlfriend's mind in the process. Job continues to evolve, and eventually he can even read minds and control people's actions, move objects, those kind of things. He becomes increasingly aggressive, and he starts to kill the people who have abused him, also slowly going mad in the process. Dr. Angelo recognizes what he's unleashed in Job and tries to get Job to stop. Job, in a VR session, decides to become a being of pure energy and transfers his essence into a local computer server. And then Dr. Angelo... This is a plot hole. Suddenly has bombs and he sets them in the building. I'm not sure how he gets them to blow the building up. He gets them from the van. He takes them from the van when he escapes the shop. They were going to blow something up. They were just randomly in the the van. There's no reason why. (laughs) Okay. I was like, I did not. I missed that. I was like, what the hell? He has bombs suddenly. He's like, so Dr. Angelo sets off these bombs in the building, seemingly trapping Job in this local network. At the end of the movie, all these phones across the world start ringing that's the end i was like this is like the craziest explanation of any movie i've ever done before so did any of that make any sense not unless you watch the movie (laughs) (laughs) like really what you need to know is job's dumb job's gets smart for for our vr goes crazy and uh 007 stops (laughs) yeah basically 
I don't envy you having to write that that synopsis because it is wild and difficult and melodramatic and at times even cheesy. It's also not exactly easy to follow. <laughs> I wanted to talk about some like key scenes in my mind. Basically, the opening is like VR is like the new technology. It could probably be used to abuse people and brainwash them. So we then cut to these monkeys in gyroscopes wearing Tron suits and VR helmets. And they're like being trained, which I love. And then they show the sequence that's kind of like the Terminator, where you're like seeing from the Terminator's view of like how he interacts with the environment of it scanning things and saying threat, not threat, this, that, whatever. <laughs> and then the monkey starts killing people because he escapes. Evasive. Is, Evasive. is this the best opening ever of a movie, Dave? Yes, 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 yes. I think you texted me, you're like, watch the opening of this movie. And I was like, I'll get to it. And then I watched it, lost my mind, texted a bunch of people I know. And I was like, you have to just put on the first 10 minutes of, of Lawnmower Man because it's so demented. Absolutely wild. Honestly, it's what hooked me for the rest of the movie because I wanted to see more of this weird batshit stuff. It comes, it, it, there's, there's just a real lot of melodrama you have to get through. There's a lot of fluff in between. It's really drawn out. And I guess you got to see the shorter version. So that's good for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry. You had to watch that, that direct like they, they really drag it out because it's probably about 40 minutes before they get into like the real plot. Man, I got to say, not particularly worth it. I also just wanted to talk about the weird cinematography. For some reason, they use filters to like soften how people look. It looks like late night softcore porn, the way they filmed a lot of it. And I'm like, what the fuck? What cinematographer chose that setup for this film? When I was watching it, I felt like they couldn't decide if it was a horror movie or a melodrama or a serious drama. I really wish they would have leaned into the horror elements of it. I think it would have been a lot better. Getting rid of that cinematography, putting a, a darker lens on it would have probably worked better. There are some sex scenes in the movie. Let's talk about that now. There's, what, two or three? Yeah, there's one in the real world. And again, it feels like some terrible softcore porn. It's not even terrible software porn. It feels like they don't know what they're doing. Like the two people who have, like having having sex on screen are like just lost. And sort of in the like the logic of the film, Joe really shouldn't know what he's doing. <laughs> Maybe it's also the time things were filmed because everything's like satin sheets, very nineties. Satin sheets, white negligee. Uh <laughs> yeah, I get it. The sheer curtains that surround the bed. And you're just like, what the hell? <laughs> like, it's a really disturbing scene today. Now, like, I guess it's a disturbing scene back in because this woman is taking advantage of someone who she's probably known a long time and knows that he has a mental problem. I can't decide if she knows that or not. She probably should. She probably should if the guy's been mowing her lawn for years. VR sex scene. Kind of hilarious. They're having sex. You see two virtual, I guess you could say avatars that sort of are in the shape of people because <laughs> computer graphics are shit at this time. Job turns into some kind of monster that swallows, I guess, his girlfriend. Just scares her. It, it's kind of confusing. What I wanted to ask you, John, is have you ever turned to a dragonfly during sex? Not yet, but Not yet? I, I haven't mean, done it in VR. So, Is a dragonfly a good representation? This, I'm going to describe this for people who haven't seen this movie. <laughs> okay. and you know two avatars they're like making out and they mold into one single avatar and that blob turns into a dragonfly and that dragonfly is flying around all rendered in glorious 1992 vr graphics 
I mean, do you think Dragonfly is a is a good representation here? You, you want to be a different bug? <laughs> I don't be... even know why. Like many of the decisions of this movie are questionable. But tell me your thoughts on this one, Dave. I, I was thinking about it, and I'm like, they were probably like, oh, we could do a butterfly, but they're like, a butterfly isn't sexy. It's more cute. So let's do a dragonfly. And I was like, okay, like I, I think a dragonfly is pretty good. I mean, is it better than a bumblebee or a wasp? <laughs> well, like they bees. use bees and wasps later in the movie, if oh you recall. Oh my god, they do. I forgot about that. <laughs> Why are there so many bugs? Maybe because it was like easy to like create in VR in some in some capacity. Maybe like they already had it rendered from some other thing that they were doing, and they're just like, we're gonna use this. For this movie too moving on let's talk about the ending actually so my my version <laughs> i still can't believe we watched different versions it's actually probably good for discussion but the middle like 40 minutes is a super melodramatic poorly acted poorly shot like job squeezing toothpaste out of a, a tube with his mind <laughs> just really weird shit yeah but then the last 30 minutes is just vr gold i'm really into this aesthetic in terms of the modern day, it doesn't look real, but I love that it doesn't look real. I love that it looks so strange. Some of the minted things that I, I can't believe are in this film, a lawnmower chases a man through a house and kills him. Oh, yeah. And nobody wakes up to hear it either. Well, in the in the, the cut I watched, he puts them to sleep with his mind. They don't show that in uh, the director's cut. That's wild. They, they just have the police saying, like, and nobody heard this. <laughs> <laughs> like, they turn the priest into avatar and then turn have him explode and they do that to several other shot members but the the scene that really stuck with me the one that was like this is terrifying and if i had a pin i would wear this is when job's he gets revenge on the bully at the gas station and his head turns into like part head part lawnmower and rolls over the guy's brain in cyberspace well at least in my version like he stares him in the eyes so you can see in job's eyes digital version of job's face and in Job's mouth is the spinning mm-hmm. blades of his, like, lawnmower. And then he's like, well, now you'll remember me forever. Because that's, like, the only thing the guy's can have running through his brain. Lawnmower man's in your head now, Jake. There's no escape. Ever. That's terrifying. Um, so what I guess I'm getting at is, like, I wish this film would have been all of that sort of cheesy, sort of amazing CGI. Like, the first introduction, like, oh, wait, we made Job a cyber god and now he's getting revenge on all these people in, like, the weirdest ways possible. <laughs> you gotta wait a long time before you get to the good stuff and it's almost not worth it. It's a long movie. But to, like, your point, if you watch, like, the first 20 minutes and then, like, kind of fast forward through most of the middle part until you're like, oh, Job's gone insane and now someone's gonna try to stop him. When I watched it the first time, it was difficult to get through, but I made it because I was really excited for the VR the second time I went through to make notes for this podcast, I skipped through the entire middle half. I was like, I'm not doing this again. Um, right too. to the ending. Dave, there's a sequel to this movie. Critically, the response, I, I was kind of just reading through maybe like the top 20 critics of the time. Most people said it was sort of so-so. Some people were like, the graphics are great. It's like the first movie that really like adds in these computer graphics in a way that makes sense for the plot variety called the visuals stunning it holds like a pretty low score on rotten tomatoes i think looking back at it it does not hold up yeah would would you recommend people actually watch it probably not you should watch the first 10 minutes of it because it's insane (laughs) it's so silly i mean i would actually love to see this redone 
using the same graphics because <laughs> I love them so much. <laughs> it's kind of been redone in the movie Lucy. Did you see that? I did. That movie's terrible. I watched that. It's barely an hour. I'm not going to spoil that from everyone, but when it, the laughter, the last scene ended, I was like, that's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> it's so bad. And it's, it's unfortunate. That director actually does some fun stuff. And this is happens in Johnny Mnemonic too. The look of cyberspace. Imagine the lowest quality digital art you could possibly have. And then like moving through what looks like a digital version of a city. Because that is apparently what cyberspace is going to be. It's like liquid art, smooth, like it's not very very pointed, bright, a lot of color. There's not a lot of textures because the computers can't provide that at the time, basically. I mean, I still love the aesthetic, honestly, I do. It's just, <laughs> but now it's like retro, like you would do that on purpose. You wouldn't, like then it was like, this is amazing. This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. What do you think they got right about VR and technology in general? <laughs> Almost nothing. <laughs> There's probably something. Maybe some of the escapism of VR could be a thing. It's still not even in the mainstream. You can buy VR headsets for your computer and for your PlayStation and play some games. The games are still relatively rudimentary. I don't know if you've done any of those, Dave. I worked in a VR company for two and a half years, John. Yeah, so <laughs> I get motion sick in those things. Mm -hmm. I, I don't get motion sick in any capacity anywhere else. Trying to play Skyrim on the PlayStation VR made me physically ill. Yeah. I don't know what your experience was with that. Yeah, so you're describing latency problems. I have the same problem, probably more exacerbated because uh, light can trigger migraines for me and like some other stuff. Mm -hmm. VR triggers migraines for me. So when I was working at the VR company, I would like I had to dole out how much time I could do VR. Otherwise, I would be useless for the day. In general, my thought on VR is that it's not a great technology. I think AR is superior. What I mean by that is like technology needs to have a problem it's solving and VR really doesn't solve most problems. Like it feels like it's in search of a problem to solve. The closest it can get to being awesome is really with education. So like you can use it to like train people, but the way people talk about it is, is like, we're going to put VR in and we're going to go into the metaverse and we're going to interact with all these people. And I think what they're forgetting and they're not understanding is that people are lazy <laughs> and putting on a VR headset, putting on uh, haptics, like gloves and things that make you feel it's time consuming and annoying. Uh, <laughs> and people aren't going to want to do that. That's why I think AR is a better technology. I, I played a VR game somewhere. I think the place shut down probably for COVID. There used to be this like VR video game store in the mall. It's not even a store. It was like, you'd go there and you'd play a game, put a headset on you and a little backpack and they'd give you some hand things. Like what, what year was this? Uh, two years ago, maybe. Okay, I was ago. like, in the '90s, they had a, they had VR like that. Yeah, they had that, and that was like pretty freaking lame because I tried that once I or twice too. too. Yeah, this was actually pretty cool. They had a couple different IPs. One was Marvel. The story is something like Stark Technology and Wakanda have come together to give you these suits to fight off. I think it was Ultron. Maybe you actually walk through rooms. The VR like knows where the walls are and things like that. It's kind of a weird experience because you can't see what's actually in front of you. I'm sure it looks hilarious to the people working <laughs> there who are like watching everyone like cautiously walk over things that may or may not be there in the VR session. I, I had fun doing it. I'd probably go do it again, but I think it shut down. I think they had a Star Wars one also, which I never got around to and maybe Ghostbusters or something like that. 2017 everyone's like vr is going to take over vr is going to take over and it didn't and that's the same thing that happens every like five years ten years so like vr is going to be the next big thing i'm like it's not good enough yet it's not good enough yet 
<laughs> Can we make fun of Meta for a few minutes? Because I think that's fucking stupid. Go ahead. <laughs> Let it rip, Bowie. <laughs> Do you remember uh, Second Life, Dave? Second Life? I remember Second Life. I know people who love Second Life. Well, this is fucking meta. <laughs> it's the same goddamn thing. And I'm talking about the Facebook thing. They're like, you'll be able to go to a mall in virtual reality. You'll be able to do this and that. And I'm like, we had that. It was called Second Life, and it was fucking stupid. In, in virtual reality. <laughs> what if I want to go in reality on my computer, and I don't have to like physically scroll through stuff? <laughs> or look at like shitty pixelated versions of whatever I want to see. <laughs> like you'll be able to sit in meetings in virtual reality i'm like look mark zuckerberg i, I have had zoom. second life i tried it and it was dumb <laughs> <laughs> yeah good for you we can make fun of that all you want i i do have a little bit of story about vr so when i was working at the vr company i would occasionally tweet about it immediately i would get spammed by porn companies <laughs> and they would maybe they that's would a tag, good use for it they would tag me in their marketing and their Twitter stuff. And it would always be like a ripped dude with a VR mask on holding basically like a cyber flashlight. <laughs> I have seen that on the internet as well. I would get tagged in so much shit. And it eventually drove me off of Twitter for a while because I was like, I don't want to deal with this. I, I'm not really part of the VR porn community, guys. The VR I work on is educational. <laughs> Actually, yeah, this, this is another side, like, if the porn industry adopts a technology, it's probably okay. <laughs> we have to know someone who's done this. Someone write us and tell us like how this is. I'm we have to have one fan. I mean, I don't even have a VR headset. I feel like maybe if I get one, then I, then I change my tune. <laughs> okay. All right. When you do that, well, I'm going to make you do a review. We're going to have a review on the podcast. Uh... <laughs> yep. We're going to find some good movies. All right. <laughs> movies, quote unquote. Uh <laughs> Oh, one random note here. The lab. So the building the shop has that is lab, you know, did that look familiar to you at all? No, it just kind of looked like a generic brutalist architecture building. And I was like, this isn't very aesthetically pleasing. It was the Power Rangers Command Center also. Really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, I mean, like they used the same building in the Power Rangers TV show. It's actually a real building in California. It's the American Jewish University's Brandis Barden campus Ooh. in Simi Valley, California. There was like no nothing to it. It just felt like generic bad guy headquarters. It does, but apparently that's what the building's really like. Oh, brutalist architecture. Looks good yeah. from the outside, not from the inside. You had mentioned earlier of like, what did they get right? I don't know if they got this right, but I think they're, they influence other things. So the idea of using this virtual world for education and training... So they basically have Joe do these VR sessions, which makes him smarter. And Dave, that's what you were doing, actually, in a certain way. But yep. it also reminds me of The Matrix, because Job was able to absorb thousands of hours of information very quickly. And then we see that in The Matrix movies where, you know, he's like, I'm learning Kung Fu. Load me up. Load me up. I'm going <laughs> to learn how to, like, fly a helicopter or whatever. And they, they do that in these virtual spaces. Except in this one, he learns Latin. <laughs> and he learns the Kabbalah because like those symbols i guess like it doesn't really i don't really understand how the vr helps here it's just like he sits down and like vr things fly at his face and then he gets smarter <laughs> yep and i'm like i guess that's how vr works as a little kid that's how i thought it worked so i plug myself in get smart <laughs> so production notes i was excited about this because i remember it being tangentially or related to stephen king i'm a big stephen king fan boy oh boy was i wrong so essentially, New Line Cinema 
purchased the rights to a Stephen King short story called The Lawnmower Man. At the same time, they had a script called Cyber God, and they decided to merge those two together. <laughs> the movie that we watched bears almost no resemblance to the short story. I, I read the short story literally right before this podcast. Like none, none whatsoever. The short story is about a guy who hires a lawn mowing company, and it turns out the guy he hired is a satyr who worships Pan, and then there's some murder involved. <laughs> um, so literally nothing to do with this. Because of that, the title was originally Stephen King's Lawnmower Man, and Stephen King sued to have his name removed because he felt it didn't represent his work. He was successful. There were some uh, appeals, and eventually a judge ruled New Line Cinema could say that the movie was based on a Stephen King short story, because <laughs> the name comes from a Stephen King short story, but they did not have the right to use his name in advertising. They did that anyway. A judge ruled that uh, they had 30 days to stop it. If they didn't, they would be charged $10,000 a day. And then they decided they would ignore that for the for the VHS release and use Stephen King's Lawnmower Man on there anyway. Yep. And my guess is because uh, they weren't going to sell any movies if they didn't do that. <laughs> I mean, I understand why they combined it. After reading the short story, I do not know how you make a, a full-length movie out of it. it. It literally takes place in 45 minutes. The drama is it's just like... This bizarre dude shows up and starts mowing grass. <laughs> really not possible. I mean, honestly, it just sounds like they were just trying to capitalize off of Stephen King's name and be like, well, we'll just chuck his name on something. We have the right to do that. <laughs> Other production notes. This was David Koresh's favorite movie. Why? I I don't even know. Like, because he because Job wants to turn into a god. So, John, are you a Stephen King fan? Probably just haven't consumed any material to have or enough material to have an opinion you haven't read any of his books read maybe two of his books okay okay i've read like 40 of his books uh the first adult book i read was a stephen king novel i am deep into the stephen king land uh which was again why i was really excited for this movie and then i was let down when i found out i had nothing to do with the, with the short story mm. nope um it's tangentially cyberpunk <laughs> not really that's about yeah it. it's got some elements to it but it's there's hacking but it doesn't take place in the future it's not really a dystopia after watching it i'm like it's only like quasi cyberpunk <laughs> not what i think of cyberpunk is yeah i would say like the technology isn't there and society hasn't fully collapsed <laughs> <laughs> yet all right next up we have johnny mnemonic from 1995. So this is the meat and potatoes of why everyone's here. 99% of the audience is like, Lawnmower Man? Nah. <laughs> let's talk <laughs> about Johnny Mnemonic. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> I don't think anyone's seen Lawnmower Man, and there's reasons for that. Okay. Uh, I'm going to run through this synopsis as best I can. Um, like you, I had a difficult writing writing this because it's so absolutely batshit crazy. <laughs> and a lot of weird stuff happens. Giant Mnemonic is based on a William Gibson short story, and it's set in the distant future of 2001. The original story came out in, what, the late 80s? Probably, yeah. Yeah, so Giant Mnemonic uh, takes place in a world that is driven by a virtual internet, and in this world, a large portion of the population suffers from nerve attenuation syndrome. You got NAS! No! With the black shakes. Mega corporations rule everything, and there is extreme class hostility. Low-tech. All, not quite present day, but we're getting there. 
Uh, <laughs> we got the low techs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the titular Johnny is played by Keanu Reeves, and he's a courier who has a wet, wired brain and to which sensitive data can be uploaded. And for a hefty price, Johnny will transport that data wherever his clients want him to do. Johnny wants out of the career life. He wants the hardware in his head removed, and he wants the memories that he gave up to have that hardware implanted restored. He just can't afford the process, so he takes one last dangerous mission. Uh, in this mission, a group of scientists uploads a bunch of encrypted data to his brain. In the process, he's overloaded. I'm way overloaded, man. And he has 48 hours to remove that data before the seepage kills him. Things go from bad to worse when a mega corporation called Pharmacom starts hunting him using the Yakuza to get the data from him. And then he travels to New York City, joins a, up with a cyberically enhanced bodyguard named Dina. Time you hide yourself some young and fast. Hmm? To get the data out of his brain. Uh, along the way, he discovers that the data in his brain is the cure for NAS and that Pharmacom doesn't want to get it out because they want to profit off treating the disease and not curing it. Uh, after a climatic battle, that includes a hyper-intelligent dolphin. It's a fish. Johnny's friends upload the data to the web. Uh, everyone gets the cure. The movie ends with Pharmacom's headquarters being set on fire by an angry world. How'd I do? Exactly what's happening. <laughs> a lot of other wild stuff happens in there. I try to truncate it as much as possible. <laughs> Here's my memories of this movie. So I'd never really seen anything like this cyberpunky. I was really into it. And I was at that age where I didn't recognize good acting or bad acting. I could enjoy a movie without dissecting it. And this movie hit really, really hard for me. So I, I, I loved it when it came out. Probably saw it maybe five or ten years later after it came out originally. So I don't have the same attachment as you might. Okay, yeah. I saw like a year after it came out. We rented it from Blockbuster or, or Hollywood Video. And I probably watched it twice in one weekend. Talk about low tech. <laughs> So when you were, we were like going back and forth trying to find movies for this, I wanted to do this one because I feel like this movie is really everyone's introduction into cyberpunk for at least American audiences. Like we know that there's a bunch of anime. Before this movie came out, like what was the next thing? The previous thing, Blade Runner came out in the mid eighties or something like that. I mean, I thought that was sort of panned on, in the theater and it's now become a classic, but it really wasn't much when it first came out. Yeah, it was, it's definitely kind of a cult classic. And then I also wanted to do this because I, I'm a huge fan of Keanu Reeves. I love the dude. He's a, he's a fun actor. He does fun stuff. And I thought it'd be great to talk about him. So before we get into all that discussion, John, what do you think the Rotten Tomatoes score is on this? Uh, I mean, I think I looked before and it's 20% or something. Oh, you're good. 19% critic score. Yeah. Do you think that's too low? I actually think it's a better movie than Wildmower Man, which is a higher score. Same. I have the exact same thought. So when I rewatched this one this week, I could sit down, just go all the way through it. I mean, there is some strange tonal shifts in it. Keanu Reeves is wooden, and he has some really weird one-liners that are don't really make sense. But overall, it's like so weird that it's fun. You have iced tea in there. I mean, it, it is kind of a fun movie. I think it actually probably holds up better looking back at it than people maybe mm -hmm. gave it credit for originally because the story kind of makes sense. We're trying to move data illegally from place to place, steal company secrets and like company espionage. The funny parts are maybe the size of the memory in Johnny's <laughs> brain. I think it's like 128 gigabytes in his brain and he expands it to twice that. I was looking online just to see like how small they make hard drives these days. You can get a terabyte on an SD card. 
<laughs> I think we always underestimate like how much memory capacity has grown over time. A terabyte's nothing. That's like standard issue in a, in a hard drive these days. Yeah, it wasn't 10 years ago. I remember buying a terabyte hard drive. So yeah, let's talk about some of the highlights, things that we're really into with this. Uh, the background setting is awesome. Anytime he puts on like a headset, looks really, really cool, especially at the end of the movie. Jones <laughs> is a highlight for me. That is the uh, cybernetic dolphin at the end of the movie. Amazing. <laughs> I, uh, I did not expect that. <laughs> when I first saw it, I lost my mind. I knew it was coming. I still lost my mind when I saw it this time. I love the idea of like everyone being sort of hardwired and having just sort of like, I guess it's just enhancements. Like like Johnny has the mind stuff. Dina has fast reflexes and strength. I was really into Dolph Lundgren showing up as the preacher. I thought that was really funny. Preacher's like the cybernetically enhanced person who's super hard to kill because he's basically armored and muscled out. He gets run over by a car and he gets right back up. Yep. (laughs) So this is what I found out when doing my research on this. This movie went into production before Speed was released. And then Speed was released, and Keanu Reeves blew up. And because of that, the studio was like, you got to make this movie bigger. He's a huge star now. It can't be what you want it to be. So William Gibson wrote the screenplay. Excuse me, I can't remember the name of the director. But they wanted a small film. And they want to do sort of like an action comedy. And the studio stepped in and was like, no, you're going to make this more of an action movie. And that's why there are these weird tonal shifts where Johnny is making these jokes. <laughs> I watched the film the second time with this knowledge that it was really supposed to be funny and kind of be self-aware. It's a much better viewing experience. <laughs> it's meant to be a non-serious movie. I like how Henry Rollins is also the doctor in this movie. He's like the least doctorly actor ever. <laughs> that's true it has like a odd charm to it in certain ways is it good probably not but is it silly enough that you'll probably enjoy it yeah like it's it's bad good yeah bad goods are a great great way to do it does it hold up though like would you recommend people watch this i'm not gonna tell you to like take your time on on this movie necessarily but (laughs) if you're looking for something to do like it's not a terrible way to spend your time if you're if you're a cyberpunk fan if you're a cyberpunk fan, especially. If you're a Keanu Reeves completist, you can go do this. <laughs> Keanu Reeves definitely loves his cyberpunk movies. Actually, Chain Reaction is kind of like Johnny Mnemonic, isn't it? Is that my recollection? He he plays a coder. He like discovers Cold Fusion through a Chain Reaction. Yeah. It's actually really similar, I think. Yeah. I actually had those movies confused, honestly. <laughs> uh, what I learned from like doing my research is that Keanu Reeves wanted to do a bunch of weird small movies, and every time his name gets attached to him, it gets turned into an action movie, and he was really annoyed with it for a long time. In this case, this movie that we're talking about was really the prototypical version of it. Apparently, everyone had a horrible experience making this movie because of all the changes the studio requested. The best thing in the movie is him ranting about sandwiches. That came about because of the frustration of everyone on the set. So like the director basically had William Gibson write this and they just shot it because they they were all frustrated and like thought it'd be a good way to add to the film channel your frustration into a conversation about sandwiches let's actually talk about that speech it is my favorite part of the movie he's like i want to be where the fancy people are get it he wants to be in a nice hotel get it wants his shirts laundered get it wants a ten thousand dollar hooker not for me i get it he wants the nicest things and then he talks about club sandwiches and cold mexican beer what's going on in my head is in this future of 2001, 
are club sandwiches and cold Mexican beer really fancy? <laughs> I don't think they are. But maybe they are at this time. Or maybe it's just what he wants because we all have our comfort food. Because I, I just kept thinking, I was like, you could get that. Like you make enough money that you can get a cold beer and a, and a club sandwich. Or is it the room service he really wants? He doesn't want to make it. He wants someone to bring it to him. He does talk about that too. The director, well-known sculptor, well-known artist. This is the only movie he directed. Had a horrible experience with this. Apparently the studio tried to undermine him uh, at every turn. This is not the movie that he wanted to make. Let's put it that way. And he's talked about it a lot. Last year, he released a black and white version of this movie. And he said this made it closer to what he was envisioning at the time. And I, I did this because I was just trying to salvage some of my art. And honestly, I feel bad for the guy. <laughs> like, he had a rough go at it. His name's Robert Longo. He didn't direct anything after this, I take no, it? No, he, this, was his, this was his only movie. He, like, really had a difficult experience. He talked about how the art community, basically, like, I can't believe you're going to make a mainstream movie. And then the movie community was like, this artist can't make a movie. What does he think he's doing? <laughs> and so he got it from both ends. That sucks. William Gibson has also come out and said, like, he's not he's not happy with it either. Well, let's talk about that for a second, too. You, you and I read the short story, right? Mm -hmm. So yep. um, there is a dolphin in it. Hooked on uh, snack. Yeah. But it's also like a really short story, like 24, 25 pages long. Mm -hmm. Would you say? <laughs> did I like it? Did I like it? Yeah, like, did it make sense? Like, what? I don't. I don't like it. I didn't understand it. Uh, I don't, I'm not into his writing. Literally, his writing is so difficult to read. It's just, sometimes it feels like gibberish. Yeah, when I was reading it, I was like, did I miss a page? And I'm like thumbing back through it to see yep. like, suddenly something happened. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I don't understand this. It's really interesting to see how that short story became this. There are threads of it in the short story, but like they really reached for this one. Yeah. And they, it's like Johnny has to be a good guy, has to save the world. Because in the short story, you don't, he doesn't have the cure to NAS. You don't really know what it is. He just. No, but he like threatens to wide band. That's what he calls like releasing everything to the world, whatever the, the data is. But interestingly, I, I think this is like where the movie gets things right. So we kind of see that happening these days online. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. like corporate secrets are stolen and ransomed or released on the internet in different ways. It's kind of interesting to see like that is where we went as a society. Like Lawnmower Man, none of that has happened. This movie, actually, it kind of happens. And you could see that trying to move corporate secrets across borders will be a thing in the future most likely and there could be i don't know about in your brain necessarily but like trying to smuggle that data out like could be a thing large corporations putting profits over people like facebook any any healthcare company <laughs> the healthcare total healthcare system this is so weird that it does feel a little bit more in tune with our society than lawnmower man i want to i want to ask another couple questions here what's your favorite keanu reeves movie i'd say of his movies I've watched the first Matrix the most of all of them. So maybe I would say that's my favorite. What about you? I think the Matrix is, that movie is incredibly well done and it holds up and, and so rewatchable, right? Yeah. <laughs> like you just put it on, you're like, this is great. Like the action's amazing. The videography is amazing. It's really between like Matrix, Speed, uh, John Wick. What I said the other day, I was on on Twitter and I told someone, I was like, Count Reeves revolutionized action movies 
twice with the matrix <laughs> and john wick like because yeah. after the matrix came out it was all like wire kung fu everyone's wearing leather doing slow-mo gun battles and then after john wick came out everyone's like let's play a uh, first person shooter <laughs> and there's all those clones of john wick so yeah this dude is great i, I love him as an actor i think i'm gonna go with the matrix too i i think it's my favorite I do love Bill and Ted. Let's not discount Bill and Ted. <laughs> Is there any of the other of those earlier ones he's done that like we're forgetting about that maybe could sneak in? Uh, there? I think a lot of people like uh, Point Break. Point Break's great. Yeah, I can't believe I I can't believe I forgot about that. Scanner Darkly, we saw that together. I um, I didn't really like that. I thought the rotoscoping was cool. It hurt my eyes. I couldn't I couldn't make it through. Yeah, I, that's that's what I got. Oh, man, Point Break. Oh, do I like Point Break over The Matrix? I don't know. Uh, it's The Matrix all the way for me. Yeah, I think so. I asked our our Instagram audience if they had some questions about both of these movies. We actually got questions about <laughs> uh, this film, not really uh, any about Lawnmower Man. Again, I don't know if anyone's seen that movie in the last 10 years. <laughs> I don't think anyone saw it to begin with because it only made $32 million in the box office. So one of the questions was, what are your thoughts on Echo the Dolphin, <laughs> which is only tangentially related to the movie? I played it on the Game Gear. I remember it being hard. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't really play it. But I do want to say that I remember in the 90s where dolphins were everywhere, right? So it was the Flipper reboot. There was the Flipper movie. There was Sequest. There was Final Fantasy VII. This movie, people were loving their dolphins. <laughs> but I, what I was thinking, I was like, you know what? Have I ever seen an evil dolphin movie? And I can't think of one. <laughs> I, so, so if you're a producer listening out there, I want an, an evil dolphin movie like Jaws, just a herd of smart dolphins. <laughs> and then another question we got, would you wet wire your brain? Will we get a cybernetic implant? I guess it, it depends on like what I need. Does it make my life better, especially as we age or, or what? I mean, get a pacemaker? Definitely. Something that Elon Musk is touting? No. What if you can um, get those blades in your fingers that you were talking about? Okay, now let's go about this this route. Like, if we can get an upgrade. Okay, mm -hmm. blades and fingers? I don't want blades and fingers because I think I would cut myself at night. You would have to have, like, little, little, this is, I can't believe I'm saying this. You have to have little, little corks you put on your fingers so, like, if you're rolling around, you don't cut yourself. Or like you go to the bathroom late at night and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> oh, damn it again. <laughs> uh, I What would I want? I think it would be pretty cool to have like x-ray eyes, like heat vision eyes. Or you get legs that make you jump really high. <laughs> <laughs> How useful are those now though? That, you're like, uh, I, I mean, <laughs> if I'm in the NBA, you know, like I'm kicking ass though then. It was what's going to be pushed is like, people to wear like glasses like they did with the google glass to augment stuff i can say i would 100 do not want that i do not want more extraneous information in my life so i would want anything i would get that's that's wet wired i would not want it hooked up to the internet <laughs> yeah or right you could turn it off or it's interesting with the google glass you think advertising will take over i mean you're probably right there yeah that's exactly what they're going to do you're going to put your glasses on and it's going to be like like visiting a website today, you gotta close the pop up, say no to cookies, do like five different things where you can read what you're you're there for, and then while you're doing it, you're gonna see a bunch of ads anyway. I come, I'm real contrarian today, John. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's like the best thing is like you have the option to wear those glasses, like you can take them off whenever you want, because yeah. 
what happens when your hardware becomes obsolete or you need uh, an upgrade or you pay for some stupid subscription service to use it. <laughs> you have to pay a subscription service to use your augmentation. Oh, yeah. You know, that'll be a thing. Yo, 100%. And generally just don't trust the big tech guys. Like, no, fuck them. no, <laughs> no. I was going to ask you, how did you, how did you like revisiting cyberpunk? It's fun. I say, I don't know if we picked the best films. <laughs> I definitely don't like that. Well, I mean, Giant Mnemonic, I think, is okay. But the more I think about it, also, like, not everyone's doing stuff about Giant Mnemonic and Lama or Man, but everyone is doing stuff about... Matrix. Matrix and Blade Runner. Yeah, exactly. And so that's why we're not doing that, Dave. That's the easy way. When everyone zigs, we zag. That's right. We stumble our way through. <laughs> and uh, we did okay. We did. So, like, Dave, like, maybe let's leave people with this. We listened to some movies earlier, some cyberpunk-based movies. Do you have one that you think people should watch? So here's the thing. Like, I think Blade Runner is cool. I think it's really impenetrable in some ways. And, like, it's yeah. not a great introduction to the cyberpunk. You have to know what you're getting into. I'd say that about a lot of the cyberpunk genre. So, like, if you watch Ghost in the Shell, like, you're like, oh, I want an action movie. There are moments of action, but it's really, like, a corporate government espionage type movie. I saw that movie in a theater. It's much different than I remember. <laughs> I was like, do I like this? I mean, it looks great, but do I like it? <laughs> I don't know. Like the anime or? The anime, yeah, I saw it in the theater. That's that's a very valid question. It moves pretty slow. You really have to pay attention to understand what's actually happening. A lot of the movies are more intellectual. Part of Ghost in the Shell is like the existential part of it too is you've got this person who essentially her body died while she was still in the womb. So they took her brain and stuck it in the cybernetic body. And she grew up that way. The hardware that she's in is like military grade and she doesn't own it. So who owns her as a person? Who is she as a person? Because she's only this brain and never had a physical body. Like what is she experiencing? Because she experiences things through this digital body interface. If you want to understand cyberpunk, you watch Ghost in the Shell. You watch Giant Mnemonic. After that, like, you you go into Blade Runner. I actually think Blade Runner 2049 is better. I, I enjoy it more, but I don't know if you, you can watch that without watching the first one. Yeah, I think you could, honestly, yeah. I mean, I, I love The Matrix, but it, it's not quite the same, right? Like, <laughs> It's very different. Yeah, and I love Hackers. I, I think that's a movie I, I actually... I've recommended we cover before, but <laughs> that's it's... like the silliest movie. Yeah, it, it's not, not a great one. So yeah, Ghost in the Shell... You can write us in too and let us know if you have a cyberpunk favorite. We can share that the next time we put out a podcast. So what's up next, John? I don't know if I don't know if I told you. <laughs> Surprise! I don't I know if I know. Yeah, uh, we're gonna do West Side Story. Okay. Yes, yeah, so you did mention that. I think that's a good tie-in because there's Steven Spielberg had a version that was just released in the theaters. A lot of people like the new version. I haven't seen it. I personally don't think it's a movie I'm willing to go to the movie theater, especially in COVID, to see. When is that coming out? for like home release well i don't know when it's coming out on digital but it's still in the theaters i i've waffled back and forth on whether i want to go i think i'm going to say no like you like i don't want to risk getting sick to see a movie this movie when i can watch the original and that's the one we're covering like we can still talk about without watching the remake i mean it is going to be one of the the best picture nominees so (laughs) we're gonna have to watch it eventually i kind of at this point just think that the movie studios need to rethink their distribution model and and i think a paired digital release i know it probably doesn't make them as much money but it might be needed really and like figure out some way to do that so if you want to 
contact us. You can do that at david at awardreaders.com or john at awardreaders.com. We're also on Instagram where we do movie reviews, movie memes, and have a pretty active movie community. Just check us out at Award Wieners. Uh, do you want to try to come up with a porn name on the spot before we go? Cyberspunk. Cyberspunk. Perfect. Nailed it. Nailed it. The lawnmower man's already pretty risque. So. <laughs> it kind of is. <laughs> Cyberspunk. Perfect, John. Love it. Logging off. See you in the future. Thank you.